know your rules of thumb. Like for us, you know, payroll, we figure that's a thousand dollars a unit and repairs and maintenance around 400 a unit. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and we've got... We got a really uh, inspiring story today. A 20-year-old who has already participated in a syndicated deal on the general partner side, the GP side. So someone who helped put the deal together. And um, we've got a lot to learn from that, right? I, I know I do. It's really interesting to, to hear someone who's who's done that. So with us, I'll stop talking about you like you're not here. With us, we got Nick West. How you doing, Nick? Hey, Joe. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Hey, doing well, doing very well. Excited to talk to you. Nick is currently a junior at CSU Channel Islands. He's getting a business degree when he's not syndicating deals. He's a 20-year-old, like I mentioned, based in Camarillo, California. Awesome. Participated in a syndicated deal, like I mentioned, and uh, after he graduates, he wants to run a REIT or private equity group. So with that, Nick... Will you tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you got into the deal? Well, my family's in real estate. We have a couple of rentals, so that's kind of what started the whole idea of me getting into real estate. And I got into this deal by simply going into RIA meetings, like real estate investment club meetings, where I met Jeff. And that's what started the relationship where I would learned to underwrite deals and that's eventually how I was able to close on a deal because of that relationship. Awesome. So you you attended a real estate meetup, real estate investing meetup in your area. You met an investor, Jeff Greenberg, right? Correct. Yep. And he's been on the show and you mentioned what what do you remember the name the number of that show? Which show I that was? I believe it was forty seven. Yeah, yeah, I'll look that up before the end of the episode. Uh, so Jeff has has uh, been on the show before, and you're right. It is episode 47 called Follow the, the Well-Worn Path to Success. So go check out Jeff and uh, what he's up to with syndication. So you met Jeff at the meetup. 
and um, you started learning how to underwrite the deals. Then once you started learning it, what happened? Once I started learning it, he would send deals my way and I would underwrite them. If they were any good, we would talk further and submit offers on them. And before you know it, we had one under contract. So did you find this deal or did he? I did. You did. Okay. So you found the deal. Where'd you find it? On LoopNet. LoopNet. All right. Well, with LoopNet, typically there's some aspect of the deal, at least from my experience, there's some aspect of the deal that uh, needs a workaround. So was that the case with this? It was actually. This property is a portfolio of single family houses and duplexes and triplexes. So it's a portfolio. And a lot of commercial lenders do not like to lend on a portfolio of single family houses simply because it's not just a conventional apartment building, and then you don't have residential people loaning on it, so it is hard to find financing for it. Okay, so how you you recognize that, okay, the numbers make sense. And what was the purchase price? 2.3. All right, so the numbers make sense at 2.3 million. How do you go about, or uh, how did you go about uh, the next steps as far as coming, you know, overcoming that challenge of the financing part? Well, we had to go through a, quite a few lenders, and we even had one bank back out on us simply because they were got cold feet on the deal. But you just got to be persistent, and you'll eventually find a lender that will lend on this. The lender we happened to work with was actually a private bank, so they were able to relax some of the uh, requirements that a conventional bank might have. A private bank versus conventional bank. So private bank meaning a credit union or a community bank? I think it's an investor-run bank. Ah, okay. Got it. Got it. So, and what bank is that? Farst Bank, I think. I didn't take care of the finance. Yeah. All right. So you, you found the private bank. Um, they were able to do the lending. What was your role in the process? So you found the deal. You initially did the underwriting. Then then what, what was your responsibility? Was that basically it or did you do more after that? I did a lot of the due diligence. So I pulled my weight there. But Specifically what? I did insurance. I put together the uh, offering memorandum looked at rent rolls, leases, and a bunch of other things. Wow. All right. You put together the offering memorandum. That's the whole kit and caboodle right there whenever you're uh, sharing it with investors. How did you, did you have something to model after? Jeff, he did a syndication about a year ago on a Houston property. So a lot of it, we could just copy and paste of the same, like the general format of it on. Right. And then you then you plugged in the property specific information. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, you found it. You did the underwriting. You did a lot of the due diligence. And what were there? Was there anything else? Uh, that's about it. All right. So uh, what was your compensation for that? Well, I got a uh, significant chunk of the equity and cash flow and also part of the acquisition fee on the sponsor side. And, and how much how, how much was the acquisition fee and the, the equity? 
the acquisition fee, 10000 for my first deal, which is a lot of money to me. <laughs> um, and That's a lot of books that it pays for. Yes, it does. <laughs> and uh, one-fifth of the equity and cash flow on the sponsor side. What made you go from – because now I want to – now we, we, we talked uh, uh, kind of the mechanics of it. Now I want to talk a little bit about the psychology of it. What made you go from attending a meeting at a real estate investing club to doing multifamily? Uh, were you seeking out multifamily at the time? I actually started – I wanted to do wholesaling, but that didn't yep. really work out. Why not? Simply because I didn't really want to spend a lot of money putting out all the mailers and flyers and everything. And what I prefer about this is you get on a broker's email list and they'll send you stuff and you build a relationship with them. Then they start sending you off-market stuff and it's at my convenience when I underwrite it and stuff with regarding my busy schedule as a college student. So. It just sits in my email box until I'm ready to open it. Uh huh. When when you're learning multifamily and under the underwriting process, what were some challenging things that you had to overcome? You have to learn not to rely on the pro forma, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, broker's pie in the sky numbers that will never happen in a million years. Make sure you use the T12. I've made that mistake quite a few times. And uh, know your rules of thumb. Like for us, you know, payroll, we figure that's $1,000 a unit. And repairs and maintenance, around 400 a unit. And each property is going to be slightly different. So you got to be flexible enough yet stick to your rules when underwriting a deal. Payroll is $1,000 a unit. So is that on an annual basis? Yes. That you're, you're, so if you have 10 units, then it's $10,000 payroll? Yes, but we normally look at like 50 plus unit properties because the uh, economies of scale of commercial real estate, like if, if you own a 10 unit building, you're not going to have a full-time person. You're going to have a part-time person. But once you get to that 50 plus units, that's normally when you start to have a full-time person and you can start to gain some economies of scale there regarding the units. And then quick note, just for the best ever listeners, when Nick said T12, T stands for trailing. So trailing 12, so trailing 12 months worth of income and expenses so that you can start seeing the pattern. And with any property, with any multifamily property that you evaluate, ideally you have the last two years plus the, the year to date. And that will give you the not only the, the trailing 12, but then also previous year's income statements. Yeah, you want to look at the general trend of where the numbers are going up, down, stay the same or what. When you looked at those numbers initially with this portfolio, how many units was it again? It's 28. 28. 28 units. When you looked at it initially and you looked at the numbers, what were some of the things that stood out to you from an underwriting standpoint? Well, back to economies of scale, this property is small enough that you don't need a full-time maintenance person to do it. So we didn't have any payroll, but we factored more into, we factored that the expenses for like contract services and repairs and maintenance would be higher to compensate for that. Okay. And 
what area was it in? What market? Oxford, Ohio. Oxford, Ohio. Was that home of the Red Hawks? Is that right? I believe so. I don't pay attention to sports at all. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're too busy doing syndicated deals. It's definitely Miami University. I think they're the Red Hawks. One of the, uh, I'm sure, best ever listeners will let me know if that's not correct. So you are not, you're obviously in California. You're underwriting this opportunity in Oxford, Ohio. How are you able to know what the, you know, the taxes on it should be and uh, some of the local variables? And did you have a local partner in place that you're able to bounce numbers off of? Regarding the taxes, you can always go onto the city website and look up the taxes, or you can try and get a copy of the taxes from the seller, and you could see what the taxes are there. And regarding the market, we did not have anybody on the ground. So what I did is I called three or four like residential brokers and asked, what do you think of the area? Is it nice? And they all said, oh, this is a great town, you know nice college town, B class or B plus in a lot of the areas. Did you tell them that you were looking at these properties? Not really, because you don't, you kind of want to keep it on the down low that you're thinking about acquiring a property. And then how are you managing it? We have a uh, management company on the, that specializes in student housing in Oxford. Okay. What's the, what's the name of the management company? Do you know? Redbrick. Red brick? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's confirmed that they are the Red Hawks, so perhaps that's a playoff of, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of red happening in Oxford, Ohio, apparently. With the management company, were they, um, were they found through Google? Were they found through referrals? How'd you find them? Do you know? The uh, current seller was actually using them, and they were doing a good job, so we just decided to keep them on. Got it. Okay, cool. Good stuff. Well, Nick, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? You need to work on your relationships. I mean, if I did not have a relationship with a syndicator, I would not have been able to close on this deal. I would not have learned how to underwrite properties and be able to close on them. So make sure you go to your real estate investment clubs, go on bigger pockets, start networking and find somebody that does what you want to do. When you met Jeff, did he have a program that you paid for or was it um, he took you under his wing and taught you the ropes or was it some sort of value exchange of, hey, I'll find the property and then I'll get in deal? How, how did that work? Jeff took me under his wing. He taught me how to underwrite it. And uh, the value that I brought to the table was he sent me a deal. I underwrote it for him. So I saved him time and freed him up to do other things. So I was bringing value to the table. You see a lot of people say, oh, mentor me, mentor me. But it's like, you got to be of value to the person that is taking their time to teach you to do something. So if you want to be mentored, make sure you're bringing something of value to the table, whether it's freeing up their time and a whole bunch of other things. When you were underwriting the deals... How many of them were qualifying and then what was when when you initially qualified them, were there any that got disqualified by him? In the early stages, yes, but I know how to I know how he thinks right now at this point, since I've been working with them a lot, I know what he's gonna ask. 
So I can normally, uh, at this point, know if it's a good or bad deal and if he's going to like it or not. And how long was that early stage? Eh, three to four months before you really start to catch on. Three to four months of send, of underwriting deals and sending them to him? And then are you actively seeking, are you getting opportunities through any other ways than brokers? Not really. That keeps me busy enough. Normally we can find something good, but uh, it's really good if you can build a relationship with a broker and get some of the off-market stuff. Or uh, if the broker is saying, oh, I'm having a property come out in a few weeks, try and get that information early. It'll give you a leg up over the other guy. All right, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay, first a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read? Meltdown by Thomas Woods. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? We did have a deal fall through in Houston, so uh, you got to learn persistence in this game. You can have a deal fall apart at any moment. Just move on to the next one. Why did it fall through? The numbers weren't good enough, and the financing was a problem. How far along were you into the deal? Contract, and we had two or three months of due diligence. When did you meet Jeff? About a year, year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago? Okay. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I am currently teaching some people how to underwrite properties, so hopefully this project pans out where we can do deals with them, they can get their first deal done, and we can all make money. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Teaching other people how to evaluate properties. That is a very good way to give back and spread the education around. What would you say so far is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Probably not knowing what field I wanted to get into when I first started. You had the shiny object syndrome where it's like, oh, wholesaling, flipping, all this other stuff. You just got to pick one and stick to it. You got to meet people in the field and see what perks you like about each field and just pick one and focus on that one. And what's the best ever place for the listeners to reach you, Nick? They can reach me at nickwest at live.com, first name's N-I-C-K-W-E-S-T at L-I-V-E dot com, or 805-813-0516. Well, Nick, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about your experience, talking about how you quickly got into it, how you started with a real estate investing meetup group. You met someone like Jeff. Again, Best Ever Listeners, episode number 47. Go listen to his advice and hear his story and you added value to their life you learned from them how to do that and in this case it was underwriting deals and now you're you're off and running and you've participated in a deal you got ten thousand dollars in your bank account well i don't know if it's still in your bank account but initially it was in your bank account and you got equity ownership in the deal for for underwriting it for doing the due diligence Um, and for finding it 
that is, uh, and my gosh, you're a junior in college. Congratulations, my friend. And there are many, many big things in your future um, if you continue to, to take this type of approach. So thank you for sharing your inspirational story, your resourcefulness, and your drive on the show and with us today. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Joe.